you got a Bible, go to the book of Acts. The book of Acts is where we're going to be this morning. Um, <clears throat> I wanted to start, we're going to start this series, and we're going to go through the whole book. Um, this, this, is a, this is an amazing book. Uh, the creation of the church, um, seeing Christ move in, in such a way that uh, through this is amazing. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for the morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to gather in this place. God, I ask that as we unpack these verses that you would just speak to us and that you would be present with us. Thank you for your word, the power of it. God, I believe that it has the ability to change hearts and lives and minds. And I ask in your holy and precious name that you would do that now. Love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I do believe um, with everything in me that the most important organization whatsoever on the planet is the church. How we approach the church, how we view the church will determine how we live our lives here on this earth. And the church was created by God himself and he loved the church so much that he gave up his own life to redeem the church back to himself. And so I want to start this morning this little series through the book of Acts. Um, this is one of my fa- Acts really is one of my one of my favorite books. It has so many fantastic and amazing stories uh, of, the, of how God set up and how he founded the church, how he made everything do what he foreordained, preordained for it to do. So we're going to start there. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm going to start in verse one and we'll read for just a few minutes here. In the first book, O Theophilus. I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after he had suffered many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, they ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he had said. You heard it from me and from John the Baptist with water. You were baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So, verse 9 When they had come together and they had asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? So Jesus is now present with his apostles in the the beginning here in Acts chapter one. And they're asking him some questions. They said, Lord, is is this when you're going to set the kingdom up and bring it to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times of the seasons that the father has fixed for these things to be done. But by his own authority. But you will receive power from the Holy Spirit to come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a a cloud took him out of their sights. 
And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood there by him in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? This Jesus that you had been taken up from you will come back down the same way that you saw him go into heaven. All right. So, the first thing you see, Acts was thought to have been penned by Luke, the apostle, since Luke's gospel was the first book to address Theopolis in Luke chapter 1, verse 3. So it's logical to conclude that Luke also was the author of Acts. Uh, the early church fathers and historians also confirmed that Luke was the author of the book of Acts. Um, Acts was originally, um, had really no title, but the Greek manuscript titled it the Acts, and many have added to the Acts of the Apostles. But the Greek word translates Acts is praxeus, which often used to describe the achievements of great men. Acts does feature notable, feature, notable figures in early church history, especially, in, uh, especially those of Peter in chapters 1 through 12, and then Paul in chapters 13 through 28. But the book could be more properly called the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles. Since God's sovereign supremacy and his work was far more significant than any single man. And that's true to this very day. Um, is the Holy Spirit that dictated and controlled and empowered all the ministry that you're going to see throughout the entire book. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit was the one who strengthened the church and caused it to grow in the numbers and the spiritual power that it had. So in verse 1, we see this introduction. It's directed at Theopolis, which means, Theopolis means lover of God. This person, we don't know exactly who Theopolis was, but Luke addressed him here as a person of honor and respect and tells him that this is, that in his first book, Luke's, if you look back in Luke, that his first book was dealing with all the things that Jesus started and taught. So in verse 1, He's giving a quick recap, verses 1 through 5. He gives this, this quick recap of what happens in the book of Luke. But then in verses 4 through 5, he quotes Jesus talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. So in this first writing, he tells of what Jesus taught and did. And now they are going to talk about what is going to happen after Christ has left the, the planet. And now we're going to hear in the coming chapters, we see the birth of the church. Verses 6 through 11 gives us a picture of Jesus leaving the planet Earth after his earthly ministry is completed. So in verse 6, they, they think that what is about to take place because Jesus, after 40 days, he's amassed everybody. He's got about 120 people with him, according to the Bible. And there's this 120 that are standing together on the mountain. They think, OK, this is it. Jesus is going to do it. The kingdom's going to be birthed. He's going to destroy Rome. Everything is going to be made right. And this is what's going to happen. It's going to be fantastic. So we see this in verse 6. They say, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this it? Is this the time? Is this when the, the, the kingdom is going to be birthed? Is this when it's going to happen? Is this how it's going to go? 
And they believed it. They believed Jesus was fixing to set up the kingdom and set everything right. And they are still trying to figure things out. They are thinking that Jesus is still coming on the white horse. Now, now that he's done all this other stuff, where's the white horse? Where's the sword? Where's the wrath? Where is the conquering king? What's going to happen? It's time. And Jesus answers them in verse 7. It says, it's, it's not for you to know these things. It's not for you to know the times or the seasons. But here's what I do want you to know. The power, the power of the, of the Holy Spirit is about to fall on you. You will receive power from the Holy Spirit and he will come upon you and you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all of the ends of the earth. Now, that word power is the word exousion. And exousion means authority. You're going to be given authority and you're going to be given power to do what I've called you to do. So this is, this is an indwelling power that, uh, that has been given, that word exousion, which means an indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's presence in a new dimension of power in order to be witnesses for Jesus in all of the world. So it's not time for the kingdom to be established yet the way they think it's going to be established. They're still thinking swords and conquering kings and buildings and taking out land and establishing a kingdom. That's what they're, that's what they're thinking. But Jesus still, man, he's, he's still changing things up. He said, this isn't how it's going to happen yet. It's, we're not there yet. It's not for you to know when that's going to happen. But here's what I do want you to know. That you're going to have authority and you're going to have power and you're going to be my witnesses in all of the world. You're going to preach the good news of what you have seen and what you have heard. And then he lifts up off the planet and he leaves and he literally ascends into the sky and disappears in verse 10. And honestly, like the reaction that they had is the same kind of reaction that I would have had, I think, standing there after me. We had had all these experiences with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he just he tells us the Great Commission and he leaves. They had the same kind of reaction that I think I would have had. They stood and they stared into the skies and they did it so long that eventually two angels show up. Hey, fellas, what are y'all doing? Why are you here still? You, you, this Jesus you saw go up, he's coming back. You need, to, you, need to, you need to go. And we see a similar story in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mount which Jesus had described to them, or directed to them. And they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. <laughs> Verse 18, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority, all exousion, all authority in heaven has been and on earth has been given to me. So therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you to the end of the age. Like, here's the thing I love in that text. I love the fact that that mentions that some doubted. Like if this, if, if people always want to say, well, the Bible's, it's a, it's a myth, it's fake, it's made up. Like 
I'm not going to write stories about myself that I doubted or I struggled. If I, I want people to think I'm a super Christian in the Bible. And I love the fact that, that it mentions that some doubted. But even in the midst of their doubt, they still continued to worship. Like, think about this. Even in the midst of their doubt, they worshiped. The scripture did not attempt to cover this fact up. It reminds me of the story of Mark chapter 9, where a father comes to Jesus and asks him to heal his son of an unclean spirit that had been tormenting him for an extended period of time. So think about this from a father's perspective. Your son literally has a demon that is tormenting him and tearing him apart and messing him up. And Jesus comes in in Mark chapter 9 verse 21 through 24 and says, and Jesus asks the father, how long has, his, has he, this been happening to him? And he said to him, from childhood. And it is often he casts himself into the fire and into water to try to kill him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and please help us. How many of you guys have ever had those moments where it's been so strenuous, so intense, so rough, so hard, and you're sitting here thinking, God, I just... Please have compassion. Please just help. Anybody? Yeah. Just, just if it's possible, please help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. And immediately the father of the child cries out. Think about this. It's not like we read this and it's hard. It's like reading a text message on a phone. It's hard to relay the emotion here. Jesus just said, if it's possible... If it's possible, all things are possible for those that believe. And the father says, he cries out, he says, oh, please. He cries out in this anguish. And he says, I believe. I do believe. Oh, I believe. But God, please help me with my unbelief. Because part of me doesn't believe. Yeah, I do believe. Yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he can change lives. Yes, I believe. But man, there's days I doubt. Anybody else? Anybody else struggle with doubt? Anyone else struggle with these things? I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And Jesus saw the crowd and he came running together and he rebuked the unclean spirit saying, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The father believed, but he had some doubt. And he asked Jesus to help him with his unbelief. Asked him to help him with his unbelief. He worshipped him even though he was struggling. Oh, Christian. The one triune God we follow is not worried about you struggling in your walk. He welcomes your struggle. He's big enough to handle your struggle. Lay your struggle down at his feet and worship him. He can take your struggle and, and you could be just like that father. You could have a, like every one of us in the room have moments and days where we struggle with things. We have anxiety. We have worry. We have all these things that come into our lives as human beings, just like this father. And what did the father do? He cries out in mercy. It says, God, I do believe, but man, I struggle sometimes. I struggle with unbelief. Jesus, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And he will. There's a growing number of people in the world that are moving towards doubting. Atheism's growing right now. 
But it's not a doubt that's like this. It's a doubt that wants to, (laughs) it's self-centered doubt that makes everything about them and it okays their sin. This father wasn't trying to okay his sin. He was genuinely struggling. He was genuinely like, man, I, I, I don't know. I don't know, but I, 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 I believe. But man, I'm struggling to believe. Thomas Jefferson once said, question with boldness even the existence of God. Because if there be one, he must, he must more approve of the homage of reason than blindfolded fear. Love that quote by one of our founders. You struggling is not a major concern to the Lord Jesus Christ. You struggling to believe? You struggling to walk through this? He can, listen, Jesus is big enough. Jesus is bigger than your doubt. Jesus is bigger than your struggle. Jesus can transform your struggle into strength when you lay that struggle at his feet. Surrender it to Jesus today. Spend time laying your heart level requests at Jesus' feet and know that he is big enough to eradicate the sin that's in your life and the doubt that's in your brain. And he'll transform your heart. All right, let's keep going. Verse 12. Verse 12. Because now Jesus is now gone. He's gone. And they go back. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room. Now, just history note, this is the same upper room where they had right before Jesus died. So they're still in the same upper room that they were when right before Christ's betrayal. So they're going back to the same upper room. And they were staying Where they were staying, Peter and John, James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot and Judas, the son of James. All these were in one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women, Mary and the mother, the Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. So we have this 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 picture now so imagine with me after this they go back up to the upper room and they devote themselves to praying and asking God to move think about this all of the excitement and activity like i want us to genuinely think about this for just a minute what had just taken place in these people's lives they had just gone through some of the most insane 40 plus days of their lives The guy that they followed completely abandoned everything for for three years. They left everything for Jesus. They saw him get arrested, beaten, crucified, and died. And they were like, everyone's freaking out because he's dead. Then three days later, he shows back up to them and says, hey, I'm here. And for the next 40 days, he reveals himself to his disciples, teaching, preaching. Think about the 40, in that 40 days of the things that he said to the, the disciples for that 40 days. And after that 40 days, they all get together on the mountain and they're thinking the kingdom's getting ready to come. And Jesus says, no, not yet. It's not for you to know these things. But here's what happened. The Holy Spirit's coming and you're going to get all kinds of power and and it's going to be amazing. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and all the way to the ends of the earth, all the way to Cedarville. Only a couple you got? All right, fair enough. 
And so 40 days, Jesus was there. And after his resurrection, all the disciples watched Jesus ascend into heaven. And they go back to the upper room and it's quiet. And many of them, like, think about your own experience. After you go through a big event of your life, big experience in your life, whether it's a wedding or a fun thing, or it's a big, a big overwhelming, exciting experience where it's just adrenaline and, it, and you're doing stuff and you're involved and there's people that are involved with it, there's conversations, there's activities, all of it's just insane. And then you get done and you get back to your house. How many guys after a, and just an insane week or an insane event, you get back to the house and you're just like, Whew. Whew. Well, now what? It's quiet in the house. There's not a bunch of racket. It's not a bunch of ruckus. And it's just you sitting there. I can't help but think that maybe this is the same kind of thing that happened to these. In the beginning of this, they just felt this overwhelming. What just happened? Did you, did you see what I saw? Like he went up in the air. I know. Crazy, right? I can't help but wonder if that may be what happened in just a few moments. But here's the thing. They didn't, they didn't stay there. They didn't stay in that moment. It says that they devoted themselves to praying. They devoted themselves to gather together and pray. Like we're seeing the church birthed here. Like 120 people in a room together, praying together. This is the church. We see it come together and, and they're praying and they're asking God to move. And guys, I'm telling you, I believe that prayer can change things. Amen. I believe that prayer can transform lives. Prayer can change things as you're, you're going to see unfold in this text. You're going to see when things were going a certain direction, the people of God gathered together and prayed and things changed. Outcomes became different. I believe that prayer can change the lives of people even in 2021. Anybody else? I believe that the conversations we have with the sovereign triune God of the universe matter and they will echo into eternity. Prayer is needed now more than it's ever been before. I believe that prayer is needed and we need to be men and women of prayer. And this is, there was this undisclosed amount of time that this happened in verse 15. But Peter gets up. We don't, I don't know how long. But he gets up and he shares a message in starting verse 15. And Peter says in verse 15, he goes, In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers, a company of persons about 120. So it's a room of about 120 people. I mean, they're jammed in there. And he says, brothers, the scriptures had to be fulfilled which the Holy Spirit spoke before him by the mouth of David concerning Judas. And now he's, he's talking about Judas Iscariot. Who had become a guide to those who would arrest Jesus. For he was numbered among them and was allotted to share in this ministry. It's in quotes. Now, this man acquired, Judas, acquired a field with the uh, reward of his wickedness. So that silver, he, like that, that money he bought with, with the ministry's money, he bought a field. Not with the 30 pieces that he had gotten, but, but the money that they had taken in as part of their ministry. He went and, you know what he went? He went and bought a field. And what did he do on that field? 
He acquired the field was a reward for his wickedness. And falling headlong, he went out and if you read in the Gospels, he went out after the betrayal of Jesus. Rather than repenting, rather than repenting, he went out and hung himself in a selfish act. Rather than repenting over his wickedness, he went out and it says that falling headlong, he burst open in the middle of the field. His bowels gushed out and went and it had become to all it's known to all the inhabitants in Jerusalem so that the field was called in a language Akalamandia, which is field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, may his camp be desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it and let someone else take his office. So they're gathered together and Peter's like, listen, we got to get something straight here. We've got to find something like we got to get somebody to put, take his place. We got to take his place. We got to find somebody to take his place. And then they start, they, they cast lots in verse 21 through 26. They cast lots. There's these two men who had been accompanying Jesus all through his ministry. And Jesus went out among them and began and beginning from his baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us. One of these men must become with us. So there's been two other men that have followed Jesus faithfully, but they're not counted as the apostles. They've just been guys that are like the tag along group. They've been a part of it. They just want to be they wanted to see they wanted to be a part of it. So. One of these men must become a witness to the resurrection. And they put forward two. Joseph, called uh, Barbaeus, who also called Justice. So Joseph Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and they said, you, Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show which one of these two should be chosen. So they take to take the place in this ministry and the apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go his own place. And they cast lots to them and the lot fell on Matthias and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. So they cast lots for these two men to be considered. They were considered as righteous men and the lots fall on this guy named Matthias. You don't hear much about Matthias. But he's now a numbered. He's part of the 11. He's part of the disciples. God, what an exciting time to be. Like what an exciting thing to see this thing happen. Like they're gathered together. You're seeing the early church. Like what we're doing here today is a result of what was happening in this book. The reason we're gathered the way we're gathered today is because they gathered early like this. In Acts, they gather together and they devoted themselves to prayer. And Peter gets up and he preaches a message. He talks about, about what we need to do. What, what's the next thing we need to do as, as a group of people? That's what we're called to do in this church is we get together and we say, okay, what's next? What are we going to do? We're going to preach the gospel. Man, what an exciting moment it would have been. Sitting together with the early church, seeing Jesus move in this way. Well, the ground is set. Next in chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit come. And we'll see that next week. But like I said at the beginning of this, I believe the church is the single most important organization on the planet. And oh, that we as believers would long to see the church alive and vibrant and the, in these days as it was in this book. Like I'm telling you, like the men and women of this book 
They believed that, man, Christ is coming. Christ is going to set up his kingdom. And we have been given a mission to go and to spread the good news about who he is in Jerusalem, in Judea, and all of the ends of the earth. That's what I'm called to do. That's what we're called to do as believers. Is we're supposed to get together. We're supposed to encourage one another, pray together with one another, sing songs with one another. And then we go out and we say, okay, this is Jesus and thus saith the Lord. That's our command. That's our command from God Almighty. We can walk through the things we're walking through with the assurance, the full assurance that Christ is in the midst of all of this. And he's directing us. He's guiding us. He's protecting us. And he's giving us direction. Oh, Christian, that we would see this place as the most important place because it is. Because it is the most important place. And I believe with all my person that what Christ started here is still going today. It's still happening today. The church is growing. The church is doing what it's called to do. We're preaching the gospel. We're baptizing people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is, you've been given authority. You as a Christ follower have been given authority to do what Christ has called you to do. That is to go preach the gospel, make disciples and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Those are the things we're called to do. Make disciples and baptize. Sounds, sounds easy when you just say it like that. But we got to put our feet to the pavement and get moving in a forward direction. Yeah. Well, I pray that this is encouraged. Like as I read through this and I was reading the things that were taking place and, and like I've read ahead and I've kept going. I've read um, through Acts and man, the stuff that takes place, mind blowing. Like the things that happen in the book of Acts. Wow. To see what Jesus did through the apostles, what the Holy Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ did with the apostles in the book of Acts. So encouraging, so mind-blowing, so just otherworldly. And what's funny is, you know, can we sit around and say, you know, if, if you had got up in, and preached in the book of Acts and said, listen, we need to devote our lives to the things of Jesus and we need to give up our everything for Christ. You know what they would have said? Yeah, we should. We say that today in the church. People are like, nah, Caleb, that's, that's, that's tough. That's a tough thing to do. I don't, I don't know if we should do that or not. That wouldn't have been a thing that you would have heard in Acts. They would have been like, yep. Yeah, and you're going to see they gave up everything for each other. They loved one another so much. That they, they had the common denominator of, I know Jesus. I know the Lord Jesus above all else. And I want to supremely worship him. And they gave up everything for him. Everything. To help one another to know Jesus better. And that's what we're called to do here. Is to love one another well. To give up what's necessary to follow Jesus. And to, and to come alongside one another when we need it the most. And to pray for us. Pray for each other and hold each other accountable. And sometimes, anybody in the room ever been stubborn and not wanted that? 
I have. Like, I, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you guys. Um, 